kind of in a quandary this morning, I have to admit, uh, because I, I love both the gospel reading and our psalm response, the response itself. Uh, I think just briefly I'll talk about the response. Um, the psalm uh, that we have is uh, Psalm 118, the verse is 22, and uh, for, for us who are so isolated and uh, whatever from the Old Testament and New Testament, we might say, well, what, what's going on? The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. And we know what a cornerstone is, hopefully. Uh, now, uh, in the days of GPS and various other uh, things, uh, we have other ways of doing it. But in the ancient uh, way of doing things, you set the cornerstone and you would take all your measurements and directions from that cornerstone. So the cornerstone would become very, very important to helping make sure that the building was plumb and straight and, and uh, everything like that. If the cornerstone were set crooked or the cornerstone itself were not carved correctly, the building would not be very, very well constructed. And so sometimes the builders would just reject that cornerstone. And sometimes they would reject it because they, there would be a flaw in the stone itself, even though it had been smoothed or whatever, that the stone itself would not handle that crack, or because of the crack, would not handle the weight. The place of Calvary is stone, limestone, a particular kind of limestone called melkite. And it is beautiful. It's one of the, the most uh, hard forms of limestone that you can get. Uh, limestone itself is not very hard, but uh, it's hard enough. Melkite itself has, has a gorgeous look to it. But Calvary, the stone around Calvary that made the mountain, was cracked. And so the builders, as they were pouring out, they decided that they couldn't, didn't make sense to go anymore because that stone was ruined. It was cracked. It would not take the weight of a building. So not only a cornerstone, but the whole quarry itself was abandoned. It was good enough to build, build tombs in, and so they did that on, on the other side. And the Romans saw that because that hill was slightly tall, it was most likely taller than the city walls, that it made a perfect spot for crucifixion too. According to the, uh, there's a, a legend called the Golden Legend that Adam was buried in the mud that formed limestone outside of Jerusalem, on Calvary. And as Christ died, his blood poured down, poured into that rock, through that rock, through the cracks, and covered the remains of Adam. In fact, if you go under Calvary, uh, you can't go under it, but if you go around and, and such, they have a chapel to Adam. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. It is beautiful, wonderful in our eyes. That literally happened, most likely, that, that again, that stone that was rejected, and it spiritually happened, that they rejected Christ, and yet how he becomes the one that builds the church. And yet, in today's Gospel reading, we have Peter not quite knowing what to do with this resurrection 
I'm going fishing. He wants to return back to what he knew. And notice there's a difference here. Though he was a professional fisherman, he didn't catch anything. Uh, maybe he, he could have turned to Thomas or, or Nathaniel or, or whoever the two others, others were, but because only Zebedee's sons and, and Peter would have been trained fishermen, maybe he blamed them or whatever, but what's the difference? Christ is not in their boat. They didn't take Christ with them. And so when Christ appears on the shore and calls out to them, they, they, they're so oblivious to it, they didn't expect to see Christ on the shoreline that they don't recognize him. Have you caught anything? No. Cast your net to the other side. That, sh- that should have been the first clue. Jesus had already done this at the beginning when he called Peter in Luke's gospel. Have you caught anything? No. Cast out. Cast out to the deep. Here they recognize Jesus, and they pull in this massive catch of fish, 153, and uh, I, I honestly, there's more uh, ink spilled, and I think, uh, unfortunately, everything that, every explanation just called, kind of falls flat. Uh, a first century uh, uh, audience wouldn't have, wouldn't have started doing all sorts of math. There's some that was, a, it's a mathematical equation that St. John is, is referring to. Well, I, how many would know that? Some have suggested that there's 153 different countries or, or clans or languages. That's probably a little closer, but how do we know that? Others have suggested that there were 153 different species of fish in the Sea of Galilee. I like those two explanations, I have to admit, even if they're not exactly true, because I think what uh, Jesus is doing by allowing them to catch that massive number of fish, and, and, and I think John is a fisherman. He was, of course, the author of this, this gospel passage. John would have said, we caught 153 fish. Isn't that exactly what a fisherman would do? It was so large that it was almost tearing our nets. At least he's not saying that they were at least 10 feet wide. Or, but 153 large fish. From, and if it is every language, every nation, every type, that Jesus wants Peter again to fulfill his mission that he had at the very beginning, to be a fisher of men. He wants the apostles to be fishers of men. And I think for us, as, as we continue in this, I've been calling it afterglow of, of Easter, in this afterglow, so often we want to return to what was before. Or maybe uh, we can, we can uh, play the game of now that this, uh, thankfully the pandemic seems to be coming to an end. You know, we want to return to before. I'm not so sure that that might be possible. Maybe what the Lord has been doing is something better. Maybe he wants us to be aware of our freedom as a nation, perhaps, with this pandemic, but more importantly, with this resurrection, that he doesn't want us to go back to our normal lives. He wants us to go forward, transformed. What does the resurrection of Christ mean for us? For Peter, it meant to be a fisher of men, not to return to 
literally fishing the Lake of Galilee, but rather to proclaim Jesus Christ crucified and risen. I think that's, in some form, what we're called to do. Each in our own way, in our own homes, in our own jobs, in our own families, but to proclaim Jesus Christ risen for us.